So hi, everyone. Welcome to my Emily podcast. My name is Jenny and I have a very special guest today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's our, it's our pleasure. And we have so much to talk about and so much to celebrate. Yeah. So um, first of all, Rasan Alexander, mm-hmm. I didn't properly introduce you, but let's do that now. You are an artist with so many, you've explored your talent in so many different ways, music and now photography. Mm-hmm. And there is an exhibit that's going to be taking place yeah. starting August 4th yeah. in the History of Miami Museum. Mm-hmm. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm very excited about that. It's my largest exhibition to date. Wow. Yeah, over 60 images. That's impressive. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a blessing. Yeah, it's called Capture a Portrait of the Pandemic. That's, yeah. So let's just dive in because yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, images that document what we've been going through as a city, as a community since 2020, since uh, the onset of the coronavirus pandemic right. up to present day. Because in some instances, we're still going through quarantine pandemic effects. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think those will ever go away? Um, Yes and no. Some Some aspects of it have gone away. You know, like if you think back to two years ago, not being able to go to a bar. Mm-hmm. Or go to a club. And now, you know, as a DJ, I'm back working regularly. So it's almost like it never happened. But right. some places you still have to go and wear a mask or you still see people who work certain places wearing masks, especially like at the museum. The whole staff, they wear masks. Still. Yeah. So, you know, some Is place, there a reason for that? Um, I just think it's, you know, when you're a certain business, a certain entity, you're still following the protocol. Because, I mean, the president just got COVID twice mm-hmm. last week. You know, like, I don't know how you get it and then get it again in like three days. But, you know, so it's still obviously something that's going around. You know, there's right. another variant of it. You know, first it was Delta, then the Omarion. <laughs> and now, uh, you know, <laughs> so you just never know how long it's going to last. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like life as we knew it is. It's completely altered. Yeah. And shifted. Yeah. We're we're starting a new version. Yeah. yeah. I call it like the the, the the real BC. You know, people always say like 10,000 BC. That's so true. now BC is before COVID and after COVID. That is, know? okay. Yeah. That is smart. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because yeah. like life has changed for everyone. For everyone. In some, some degree. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, with any story, let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're a Miami native. I was actually born in Georgetown, Guyana, South America. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's am- so. How old were you when you came here? I left Guyana when I was four, and my family moved to Flatbush, Brooklyn, and then moved to Miami when I was eight. Okay. And so then, from, then most of your yeah, this is your life this is has this, been Miami. This is the second time I've lived here. I lived here when I was from eight to eighteen, mm-hmm. and then I moved back to New York, and then moved back to Miami at twenty eight, and I've been here since I'm forty two now. So yeah. wow. Yeah, I have a tattoo here. That's uh, three area codes. Oh, nice. So 592-718-305, Guyana, Brooklyn, and Miami, because I'm a combination of all three right. locations. Yeah. So how did how come you came back? Um, I was actually, my girlfriend at the time was pregnant with my first daughter, and Aww. she lived here. So yeah. Family. So it was a no-brainer. No yeah. Right. And said, you know, we were in a long-distance relationship, and then she said, oh, I'm pregnant. I said, I guess I'm moving to Miami, moving back to Miami. So, right. Yeah. Oh and then I moved here and started DJing. And I've been a DJ ever since, going on 15 years. That's 
That's so cool. And you went to Killian? I did. Yeah, right. Miami Killian, Cougar Pride. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very familiar with the Kendall area. Yeah. Uh, one of the images in my exhibition is actually of a homeless uh, drummer who drums on the street corner in Wynwood on 2nd Ave, like around 26th Street, 27th Street. And I had a conversation with him one day after I took his photo, come to find out he went to Killian also. No way. Yeah. He said he was born and raised in Miami, grew up in Kendall, went to Killian. Oh, wow. And you, you know, I would have never known that had I just not decided to have a conversation with this with this guy one day. Like, you never know people's story until you just take a minute out of your day and you know open yourself up. Do to you them. know what happened to him? I wonder. I've wondered about it since I took his photo a year ago. You know, like how can we go to the same institution and our lives end up on yeah. different paths, and he ends up homeless, and I'm looking at him drumming for donations and money on my way to go DJ for 500 people at Racket. You know, it's, yeah. life is very interesting. That's a, that's a tough one, yeah, yeah, to come to terms with. Yeah. Because you, if you think about it, it could happen to anyone. It almost happened to me. Um, I faced eviction twice during 2020. No way. Yeah, as a DJ, you know, not making, going from DJing six nights a week to DJing, to not DJing at all, it was like, yeah. A serious blow. And, you know, I didn't have any, you know, financial knowledge and knowledge about saving money. And, you know, you're making a lot of money. You spend it. You blow it. You take trips. You buy things. You were living life. Living yeah. life. And then never thinking it could be snatched from you in an instant. You know, foolishly not thinking that. And then it did. This The industry shut down. The hospitality industry, like the world. And I didn't have any income. But my landlord didn't care. And yeah. the eviction notice came that was taped to my door. And, you know, thankfully, one thing I will always give praise for is my Instagram following. Like I would DJ like Instagram live sets and they would like send me money. And that's how I oh. bought I bought groceries for a couple of months. That's amazing. They would send me like Cash App and yeah. Venmos and Zells every night because I would play every night that's for like amazing. three, four five hours straight, like till five, six in the morning. And could, nobody was doing anything. Right. People were up like me. I lived alone at the time. And that was like one of the ways to try to keep from going crazy was to just play music for the people and entertain the people, even though it was virtually. Right. Yeah. How? So how did you figure out you wanted to be involved with art? Do you remember that first yeah. time you realized? I remember uh, I remember when I wanted to be involved with photography, um, like, like it was yesterday. I was... Um, a junior in high school, and I went to see the movie Love Jones. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of Love Jones, Nia Long's character, she's a photographer. And in the beginning of it, you see these black and white images that they pop up on the screen. I guess they were trying to say that they are examples of her work, right? And I remember the feeling of looking at these images and being so captivated by what I was seeing. And I always felt like I had an analytical approach to life. I always observe my surroundings. I'm more of a listener than a talker. I'm very quiet. I'm very reserved because I'm always like watching. And I said, damn, I would love to be able to, you know, take a photo like that. And that's kind of what started the, 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 the interest. And then the following year, my senior year, I took a photography class at Killian and it ended up being one of only two classes I ever received an A grade in uh, from my final project. And that's what really started my my love for it. Because wow. I told the story of uh, safe sex. You know, we didn't really have um, sex ed in school. 
And I told the story of a couple who lose their virginity together and uh, uh, used a prophylactic, used a protection. And that was like the, it was like a 40 image story. And I got it. Do you still have that? No. I know. Oh, man. I, I, I probably lost that when I went to college the next right. year. Yeah. But, that but it sounds it, really interesting. It, you know, my, I got an A for it and it was, um, it was all black and white images and like the ones I saw in Love Jones. And that's how it began. And, just unfortunately, my life, when I got to school, you know, it went down a different path and I never had the time to really focus on it. Fast forward 20 years and my career comes to a, a halt. And that's what something hit me and said, you need to pick up your camera because as I'm sitting there watching the news every day and I'm watching the George Floyd protests and I'm watching CNN talk about the thousands of people dying every day from COVID and I'm looking at, you know, the, the nurses and the doctors, you know, pleading for uh, PPE and all that yeah. stuff. And something in me said, you need to go out and, and capture what's happening around you because they're showing everything happening in different cities, you know, New York and DC and all these places, but nobody's really showing what's happening in Miami. And we're a part of the struggle too. So I said, well, you know, let me go out there and just capture what, what I see through my eyes, my city. I never expected it to turn into this. You know, that was never the goal. It was never the the angle. It was just... I'm listening to the voice in my head like I always do instinctively. And I said, let me go out, grab this camera. And it was like from the moment I took the first photo, an instant reconnection to what I felt at when I was 17. It was like yeah. like that. And then that just turned into me going out in the protest every day and then shooting just all type of aspects of the city and the community. And two years later, this is where we are getting ready for my largest exhibition. That's amazing. It's so interesting how life has a way of bringing you back. It's like full circle. To the things yeah. that matter to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before we, we talk about what you're experiencing in those images, I want to discuss what it felt like for you that day, um, March 16th. 16th, thank you. March 16th. When we were all told pretty much the world is going to stop. Yeah, I didn't really know what that meant. At the time, um, I don't think anyone really knew. And I don't really think that people believed it was going to stop the way it did. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was going to be instantaneous. I just remember uh, the owner of Wood Tavern, Caesar, said, um, you know, after tonight, because it was a Sunday night, I'll never forget. It was after tonight, uh, we'll be closed for two weeks. That was the thing. It was like yeah. two weeks right. and everything's going to blow over and then we'll be back. See you in a couple of weeks. Two weeks see to flatten the curve. Right. And two weeks turned into two months and then six months and then a year. And, you know, it was uh, it was horrifying. Like it was really, really scary. And not only from a financial standpoint, but also just from a health perspective of not knowing how this thing was going to affect you if you got it. Like yeah. and I, I had it early, oh, but wow. I didn't know I had it. But when they started talking about the symptoms and, you know, losing uh taste sense of taste and all of that i'm like oh so that's what that was that i was on the couch under the covers for three days and was weak and wow. achy and yeah because we were coming off of um uh, super bowl yeah. 54 here and you know me my team headline and market group we threw the biggest parties in the city we reopened Carew and y for super bowl so if you can imagine how many hundreds of thousands of people flocked to miami during that time and that that virus was just, I think, just getting passed around. Right. You know, and then 
if you were asymptomatic, you didn't know you had it. But then if you had a pre-existing pre condition, it affected you differently. And then somehow it got to me and I was down for the count early. Wow. And, and you had no idea. Yeah. I, even my cameraman, Busy, uh, we did an event um, in North Miami one day and they were talking about it on the news about this pandemic in China. Yeah. And I, I was like, that. oh, it's not, it's not coming here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not going to happen. I was like, there's no way this, whatever they're talking about is going to come to the United States. Like you just thought we were invincible as a country, but sadly, you know, yeah. I think like, I don't know what the number is now, over like a million people have died from it or close to a million. But I remember during 2020, it was like 100,000, 200,000, these astronomical numbers. And I'm like, damn, all these people are dying and they can't have funerals. Yeah, Like you can't have nobody attend your funeral. You can't be next to someone's hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Like these people are dying literally alone or with medical staff and it's how that fight. affected people. Like, you know, and now here's me saying, okay, I don't know if this thing is airborne, how you get it, but I'm going to go grab this camera and go out amongst 10,000 people walking the streets to protest for, you know, police brutality and racial injustice and whatever happens, happens, but I need to be right. involved in this. I need to contribute my voice artistically uh, to the cause. Do you think that that purpose was what fueled you to to keep going and not have the opposite reaction of just hunkering down at home and getting yeah. into our heads like a lot Absolutely. of us did yeah it, it was it was the motivation it was the yeah it was the fuel um once that fuse got lit it was like okay i'm out here every day now yeah okay the protests have stopped but there's other issues in the city. There's homelessness. There's, you know, the hospitality industry that's shut down. Like, I'm going to capture everything, not just the George Floyd protests. So the exhibition itself takes you through all those areas of protest, racial injustice, of homelessness, the hospitality industry shutting down. Um, and then Miami itself as a community and how we were affected in different areas. Right. Yeah. Um, when we think about Miami, we think about all the, the fun parts, right? right. Like nightlife the beach mm -hmm. coming here to to live a dream mm -hmm. you know and we forget that it has its is dark passenger yeah you know um yeah. well miami's not new to social injustice as we all know right um you know it's it seemed is is ebb and flow of political unrest throughout the years mm -hmm. since its inception i would say mm -hmm. why do you think those are still prevalent you know, it's like in the lead image of the exhibition, someone is holding a sign up in the middle of the crowd in a protest, and the sign says, racism is a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Now, for that person to have that correlation between racism and a health crisis and, and, and kind of fuse it together as one thread or one thought, it made me think it's the reason I took that picture when I saw that sign. Yeah, the coronavirus was the pandemic and yeah, you know, hundreds of thousands of people died, but think of how many people have died in the history of humanity from racism. Like that's the real pandemic that's still going on, that there's no vaccine for, that there's no quick fix for, yeah. not yet. You know, and it's something that, it's a conversation that needs to continue to happen. And I think that, the George Floyd protests and, and seeing him get murdered, you know, in that video 
and people not being able to go to work to carry on with their busy lives made everyone focus on it all at the same time. And that sparked a lot of conversation. And I think that's something that is absolutely necessary if we plan to get anywhere closer to resolving racism. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was meeting with educators this morning and, you know, I they asked me about, am I being an optimist? You know, do I think it'll get better? And I said, I'm really pessimistic about it getting better anytime really? soon. Yeah. How come? I mean, they, you know, a, a, a black a black kid was just killed last week. He was just shot and killed by police. It seems like when there's a glimmer of hope, we get pulled back again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's almost like, you know, that that uh, vending machine thing with like, it's like a, a, a claw. Yeah. And you put your money in and you try to grab a stuffed animal or something like that. It's like the claw comes down and tries to grab on a solution to fix the problem. And it almost has it, but then it falls out. Yeah. And you put more money away. in and try to do it again and it slips away. Like, that's what I feel like it's like. Right. And until something happens that can prove there's change or, or you know, improvement, I'm going to continue to think that way and feel that way. I don't want right. to feel that way, but. Nobody can tell me that it's getting better. You can't. And if it's getting better, you think it's getting better. How? Where? You know? Do you think it's it's a cultural thing or? I think it's an ignorant thing. Like an you educational know? thing? Yeah. Like I think people aren't born racist. Absolutely not. You know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a learned behavior. You know, when you look at children of all races and ethnicities that love and play together in the sandbox and in kindergarten and all that they're not racist they but what they hear and are taught from their parents affects their mentality as they get older and that's the problem it starts young right so it's, it's an ignorant thing not a cultural thing yeah i read a quote um i think it was morgan freeman maybe mm-hmm. and if i'm mistaken i'll fix it <laughs> in the in our description mm-hmm. but he said something along the lines of um racism will go away if you ignore it what do you think about that? Uh, I can't believe Morgan Freeman would say something like that. Um, I don't believe that. I think he meant um, it was something along the lines of if you don't acknowledge it and mm-hmm. you live your life like it can't hold you back, then it won't. If you don't acknowledge it, speaking as a black man. Right there's a good chance somebody will acknowledge it for you. And that's just the reality of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm sure as a woman, a Latina, you've experienced some type of prejudice throughout your life at some point or sexism or bigotry. Yes or no? Have you? Um, I don't. Has I, anyone ever kept you from doing something because you're a woman or has no. painted a picture of you because you're Hispanic? I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. You're very fortunate. Thankfully, I'm grateful that I my my parents, especially my father, mm-hmm. was very good instilling in us that just because you're a girl or mm-hmm. you're you know Cuban, mm-hmm. you you still got to go. Mm-hmm. You still have to do what you set out to do. That's very fortunate. But I know that I'm. <clears throat> Like you said, I'm fortunate. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone has that experience. And maybe some things did happen and I just was not aware. Maybe. If that makes sense. Maybe. You know? It's like for for someone like me, you know, uh, black and brown men, women, 
every day you leave your house, it almost to a, it's almost to a point where like you pray to make it home safely. Yeah. Because you have a greater chance of something happening to you mm-hmm. unwarranted just because of your race, right. you know? And like, honestly, two, I'm 42 years old. Since I started driving at the age of 16, every time there's a police car behind me, my hand tenses up on the steering yeah. wheel. I know I'm not a criminal. I know I've never been arrested. I don't have a record. Like I'm not, I don't have guns in my car, nothing. But it's just the fact of what history has proven time and time again, that interactions between people of color and law enforcement don't always go well, don't always go in our favor. So you get that anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, during the protests and quarantine and everything, it just heightened, you know, and it, you're trying to, combat feelings of anger and frustration and and wanting to speak out and get on social media and curse out the police and then you're like well damn not all police are bad right but you know it's it's a, it's a difficult thing to try to navigate and remain optimistic that yeah. it's going to get better if that makes sense absolutely you know yeah 100 um, one of the images uh in the exhibition is a black man holding a sign and the sign says Four words, stop killing black people, big sign. And it's like, it doesn't get any clearer. The message couldn't be more clearer, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, next to that image is a sign of a white woman holding a sign that says stop killer cops. So you have two different genders, two right. different races, all both thinking essentially the same message. And putting it out how they see it. Through their perception. Through their perception. That's through their so eyes. From the from the black man, it's yeah. stop killing us. From the white woman, it's stop killing them. Right. Like, you stop killing them or stop killing them. You know, it's like the similarities and the juxtaposition of those two images is 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 deeper than I think people get at first glance, mm-hmm. but hopefully, you know, when they see this episode and they go see the exit the exhibit they see it next to each other yeah it'll make more sense right Mm. we we do see law enforcement not not acting right you know for Mm -hmm. lack of a to put it bluntly Mm -hmm. do you think tackling the problem through that direction might ease things up when you say what do you mean tackling the that from that direction. So we talked about <clears throat> how it's, it stems from ignorance, oh, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if we if we were as a society to focus on educating those that are going into law enforcement as a profession, would that make a difference? You feel like potentially, but you know, you can have all the training courses you want, but if somebody's mentality, if somebody's raised to right. dislike you or to hate you because of how you look. It doesn't matter how you're trained, especially if you're talking about de-escalating yeah. a volatile situation, a potentially volatile situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what a binder of tactics and procedures can do for you when you're in that moment if your mentality is to shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It goes deeper. It's, right? deeper, it's deeper than rap. <laughs> Way oh, deeper. man. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember um, when you asked me if if I could relate to the feeling of not being able to come home. 
Yeah, I remembered something. Not here, oh, yeah? but okay. I was. So it's not a race thing, but a political thing. Mm-hmm. So I was born in Cuba. Okay. And my family is very well known for being anti-government. Okay. And I do remember being harassed because my father was who he was, mm. and wondering, well, is he not going to come home? You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so just yeah. for having a different political view. Right. Yeah. 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 See, it's it's so many layers to prejudice and 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 bigotry. Like it's, right. you know, I don't know if that's something that the world will ever get rid of. You know, I think it's just. You know, especially you get older, you have children, you just need to focus on raising your family, right? And giving them the knowledge and the tools, you know, to, to go through life properly. Right. And, and that's all we can do. We can't control, unfortunately, other people's actions, other people's thoughts or opinions of us. Yeah. You know? Do you think it's part of human nature to other others? Yeah. I mean, I you know... It's like they say God gave every man and woman free will. So they, they gave, he gave you the free will to think what you want. You know, yeah. again, you know how you're influenced when you're young gets ingrained in you and, you know, becomes how you think as an adult sometimes. So, right. Mm-hmm. right. This, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot. Um, and I think your images will definitely help people think about this a little bit deeper. Than, oh, I hope so. Yeah. Definitely. At least the ones that I was able to take a look at. Oh, which ones did you see? Um, what'd you see? Um, I have some of them here, but oh yeah, that's the one with the sign. Yeah, racism is a pandemic. Um, Yeah, we have. That's your your mom. It's my mother. Yeah, Mom Dukes. Yeah, Yeah. your beautiful mom. Thank you. Uh, This gentleman. Yeah, that's I. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And the little girl. That's that's child, please. (laughs) In. And this one's in color. So it was interesting. Right, but it's black and white in the exhibition. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's okay. black and white. Yeah. Okay, so it all, all blends in together. Yeah. And then this one um, mm. with Puff um, Daddy. Yeah. Yeah, or Diddy. Or Diddy for the, yeah. the newer, the newer folks. generation. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know him as. Yeah, yeah we're holding yeah. on to his. Yeah, his, his 90s name. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so actually, let's dive into, into that picture first. Okay. Um, so in that picture, we see him, and he's in Overtown, right? Yep, he's and in, he right is, outside of a uh, House of Wings. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's handing out cash, cash to yeah. people. Yeah, he stood in line for maybe four or five hours, giving out cash to That's a amazing. line of people. You know, I think the line stretched from Third Avenue all the way back to North Miami Avenue, wow. and people one at a time just walked, waited, waited. $50 bill, $100 bills. And, you know, for residents of Overtown or, you know, lower income communities at that time, which I think that was, um, when, when was that, uh, Rob? When was Puff in, in Overtown? You remember what month that was? It was like July or um, August in 2020? March. I would say July. Yeah, like. So right in the thick of. Right in the thick of it. Was, it. Yeah, right in the thick of it. Yeah. You know, to, to, to do that, yeah. at that, you know, if someone is his. Wealth, stature, notoriety to come to Overtown, which historically has had a stigma mm-hmm. for so many years of, you know, first 48 and homicides and everything. You know, Headliner Market Group, Tease Youth, Commissioner Keon Hardiman, like they banded together, brought him there for such a, a selfless act of generosity. And I'm sure that money helped everyone that received it that day. And I had to, yeah. I was actually DJing that event, playing music. And when he started that, I, 
went from around the DJ booth, grabbed my camera because I always had it with me during that right. time and snapped that photo. That's amazing. Did you get to talk to any of the people that that were in line? No. 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 And, you know, and again, you know, people are... It's very crowded, but still it's 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 in the thick of quarantine and everything. So people kind of don't want to mm-hmm. approach too much, or at least I know I didn't want to, you know, yeah. be in people's faces. So, you know, it was so weird. You just didn't know how to function. You know, you didn't know if you slap five with somebody and then scratch your eye. Yeah. Now you got COVID. Now you got COVID. You know, it was, right? it was so stressful, so yeah. stressful. So I didn't really walk up to anybody and speak to them. But. Right. So um, obviously this is not a reference to him, but seeing that picture brings uh, some thoughts on Miami being extremely opulent. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, listen, I, I've been DJing here almost 15 years and, and the past 10 years or nine years at a high level. Um, so I've seen the opulence. You know, I've seen money made and spent like you wouldn't believe and it's hard to imagine that amount of money could be spent on alcohol, you know, right. on drinking, you know, on food, on residence where you live, you know. I mean, I can't. You don't even want to get into the uh, the housing crisis here and like how rent has doubled and tripled, and they're yeah. basically trying to push people out and make room for the snowbirds, and you know. So this is an opulent town, but there's a flip side to that coin and I have a vantage point from both aspects, you know, because as a DJ, I see the opulence, I see the high end, I see the money. And when I'm in photography mode, I purposely try to go the other route and show the other side of our community and our city. Yeah. And then show you, bring it together. That's so important because it it is a whole picture. Mm -hmm. And the housing crisis right now, it's... It's insane. Like, it's literally insane. I, you know, my my wife and I, you know, we have a newborn, a three-month-old, and we're looking to get a house. And we found a property on one day, spoke with the realtor, was going to make an offer the next day, and then got a phone call that somebody else came in, made an offer of double the amount of the rent, and paid six months in advance. Yeah. I'm like, you know, what What do you do? Like they are trying to like just force people out and yeah, it's bad. We had some friends um, who ended up moving to Weston mm-hmm. because that which happened to you happened to them over three times. Yeah. But the people coming in to put these offers were paying a whole year. Yeah. Not even six months, a whole year That's in advance. Crazy. Um. Which, I mean, it's it's great if you're able to if do that. you can that. do it, yeah. <laughs> but it just, you know, like you said, um, for, for the people that are here, it just, it feels like we're now paying New York prices yeah. on Miami salaries. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, that's why I thought they were like trying to make it like New York City. Yeah. They're, they're, they're building everything. They're trying to make downtown look like Manhattan or right. Wynwood look like Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's um it's interesting to see where that's where that's headed. Yeah. Um let's talk about art as a healing mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um obviously the pandemic brought up 
a lot of mental health awareness, I feel like, for all of us. Yeah. What role did art have for you and for those around you? Art is my therapy. Whether you're getting it through a DJ set, Mm -hmm. whether you're getting it through my photography, whether you're getting it through music that I record, because I still make music as a hip-hop artist, and I like to brand my type of music adult contemporary hip-hop you know it's the hip-hop for the mature listener you know nothing that i do creatively i do for money money's never been the motivation even now that i'm you know as a professional making money it's never been the motivating factor it was always about love and passion Mm -hmm. And I think people who know me well and who are around me long enough or who watch me DJ or who listen to my story, they can sense or hear or feel the passion in everything that I do. And that's the thing that I need people to understand about me. I'm passionate about it because I know how it makes me feel and how it it saves me, if, 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 if that makes sense. Like it really, being able to express myself creatively kept me from going crazy. Yeah. You know, because I, I like I'm sure many people dealt with serious depression and anxiety during 2020 it carrying into 2021. And I still deal with it in some instances today. You know, I have a therapist that I speak to. I'm not ashamed about that. I'm a definite advocate for mental health because it's an important thing that people understand, you know, as cliche as the saying is, it's OK to not be OK. But like it really is. It's OK to not be OK. It's OK to have issues and be willing to talk to someone anyone about it you know um i ended up uh being baker acted i don't know if you know what Mm -hmm. so um i was a teacher okay yeah yeah unfortunately i familiar with the term yeah so march uh was it march no july 2021 no march 2021 um i put a gun in my head one night yeah and I had started to get on Instagram live um, and somebody saw it and I, I ended the video. Um, somebody saw it, called the police. The police came. I went to sleep at that point. Police came. I basically woke up to police surrounding my bed. And then in that moment, I thought they were going to shoot me and shoot me in my bed, you right. know, because I guess they told him, Yo, he, he has a gun and blah, 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 right. and, you know, and all of that. So when I woke up, and I see four cops around my bed and guns over here. And I'm like, oh, so this is this is it. This is how it's going to happen. OK, well. Um, and then they sent me to Mount Sinai in the uh, in the psych ward. And I was there for three days. And it's like I came out of there because I knew that that wasn't the answer. And I knew that I needed to figure out a way to channel my fears and frustration and anger in different ways. And, you know, like I said, music's always been the release for me, but now as I get older, this photography is really becoming a voice of expression, you know, for me, because I'm able to tell stories that are not just mine, you know, like nothing about the images that you see are about me. Mm -hmm. And I, and I purposely did it that way. Like I wanted to people tell stories of other people just through my eyes. You know. Well, I'm I'm glad someone saw you and called yeah, me for too. help. Shout out to them, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um unfortunately so many we see instances of people just looking the other way. 
Yeah. So it's nice that there's still some people out there that, that take, care. Yeah. And mm-hmm. take <clears throat> action yeah. into their own hands. Yeah. Um, did the police officer say anything to you when? No, they just confiscated my gun and um, yeah, just sent me to. They actually they didn't handcuff me, which was surprising. I thought they were gonna cuff me, um, but they just drove me to the hospital, and yeah, that was it. But you were aware of what was going on. Yeah. That you were going to get help. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know the term Baker Act till I got there, and they said, "Oh, oh wow, um, we're Baker acting him." Or you know, and I'm like, "What is yeah. that?" So yeah. that's how I learned what the term meant. Right. You know. Yeah. Because I've been, you know, having a therapist for a couple of years, and throughout prior my, to yeah, okay. yeah, um, I just wouldn't see him often because it's expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, therapy is not cheap. Um, and I'm in a, I wasn't as in a good financial place at that time as I am now. Um, and especially going through the shutdown of the industry and not having any income, it was like, well, I can't afford to talk to a therapist about it right now, but I don't want to talk to my family about it. And then I would get on Instagram live and like have these rants. You know, like on a night where I maybe had too much wine and I was depressed and then, you know, I, you know, start rumbling off at the mouth. But that there were there was no solution in that because you can't see anybody. You right. just read in comments. Right. You know, some people think it's a joke. Some people take it seriously. And, you know, then you find yourself doing stupid, hasty things. Yeah. You know, but um, I say all that to say art and creativity and being creative is is the therapy that I, I've always look for and always needed since I was a teenager. And yeah. I'm 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 glad I'm able to branch out and express it different ways. You know. Right. Thank you for sharing that very personal no story. Yeah. That I'm an was, I'm an open book, always yeah. have been. I'm not ashamed of anything. You should yeah, you know? no, you shouldn't be. But I'm I'm sure that's gonna help a lot of people to hear that struggle. Cause sometimes we we only see the success. Mm-hmm. You know, and the the amazing things happening for you. Yeah. And it sometimes it takes a lot to get to that point. You yeah. Know? And we forget. Yeah. But I yeah, that's thank you for sharing that. No problem. That's that that must have been quite an experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you as, as a man, mm-hmm. do you find it difficult for others, especially other men, um, to seek mental health help? Absolutely. Because, you know, what are you told as a little boy? You know, man up, yeah. toughen up, walk it off, shake it off. You know, you're not, you know, if any any sign of expressing vulnerability or weak, you know, you're looked at as weak or right. soft. You know, you cry like, what are you crying for? Like, you know, I don't know if I can curse here or not. You can? Yeah, like they say, like, <laughs> stop being a bitch, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Um, and what do they unfortunately equate the term bitch to female and then right. so stop acting like a girl you know you acting right. like a little girl you know and then that makes you not want to admit that you're going through something admit that you have an issue and you're internalizing everything and then one day it blows up it yeah. either blows up on somebody else or on yourself or both you know so i think it's very very important that men get comfortable with the idea that it's all right to seek out mm-hmm. help. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less masculine. It doesn't make you soft. Like it actually is 
an amazing display of strength to admit yeah, that you empowering. need help and, you know, go seek it out, get it, apply it and then become better than how you were before you went to see, see somebody or talk to somebody. Right. It's, um, we, so we have an, an author that, that was here a couple of months ago. His name is Jonathan Andrews. Mm -hmm. Shout out to him. And his work was all about how we need to get rid of that mentality of man up. Yeah. And he, he came up with the term circle up. Um, mm. in which he advocates for men to create their own circles mm -hmm. with friends or trusted individuals where they can have those vulnerable moments and find that help. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and I I mean, obviously I'm not a man, but I can see, you know, through, through my father and my husband, mm -hmm. the men in my life, how you, you guys have a lot to bear. Yeah. You know, yeah. in society. Yeah. Like all, all a man sometimes just wants his woman, a woman, you know, his partner to ask him, like, are you OK? Yeah. That's it. And I think, you, you know, you'd be surprised how much of a doorway that can open up by, you know, because we always, you know, we're checking on our women, on our wives, our girlfriends, our ladies, you know, like, baby, OK, you need anything. But like, yeah, to get that reciprocity is like. It's an incredible feeling. Right. Yeah. And I like the way you said that. Are you okay? And not our typical, what's wrong? Right. Because that comes off from a different, you know, like yeah. you said, that door is not the same. Right. The are you okay is way different mm -hmm. from what's wrong with you or what. You yeah. Know. Like, um, like, it's almost like, oh, like what? What is it? Yeah. What's the problem? You know, and then you're like, nothing. Right. And now you and shut what down. What do you say to that? I'm, you say nothing. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. I'm not broken. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. Um, how does it feel to have your work at the History of Miami Museum? It's, you know, it hasn't really hit me yet. You know, and I've been going there <laughs> every day. You know, I take my camera guys with me every day and we're in there. And, and you know, they've been with me through the journey of seeing things get unwrapped and hung and, and placed. And I'm in there every day and I'm like, wow, like my work is really like up in here. And like yeah. they... They came and saw it. Uh, shout out to my man Chris Norwood, um, the uh, his, uh, Ward Rooming House in Overtown. Like he gave me an opportunity to showcase my work last year um, for like a month long exhibition uh, called "To Miami with Love," and people from the museum came there and saw it, and that began the conversation of me possibly one day showing my work there. But it had to be something a little different than what they saw. Um, so what people are seeing with Capture is to Miami with love, but amplified right. because that was only maybe like 19 images. This is 61. So it tells a story deeper and there's more uh, introspective, a more introspective approach to it. So for them to come there and, and feel like, as they told me, you know, my work has captured a piece of Miami's history. It's an amazing feeling. Like it's it's really, truly yeah. Unbelievable, and yeah. a piece of history that we had never known before. Never known because before. Miami as a city had never been through anything like that. Mm -mm. No, yeah. so you know that, like they they said, you know, in ten, fifteen, fifty years, some from now, people want to do research on what happened during the pandemic of the year twenty twenty, and mm -hmm. they want to know what Miami was like. My images will be able to tell that story, part of that story, yeah. at least, and that's 
something that's very gratifying. And it's an honor. It's an honor. I'm very excited about it. For sure. Yeah. Does the transcendental element of that idea appeal to you? The what element? The transcendental, like the fact that... It's a big word. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. The fact that at some point we won't be here any longer, but these images will. Yeah. Um, I've thought about that. Like I wanted to, you know, make an impact and make something that is timeless. Yeah. You know, that, that will last, you know, that will be immortalized. That as long as that museum is standing, these images are going to be... Uh, you know, seen or or been able to you know be accessed. You know, um, I actually gifted one of my books, my f- uh, photography books, to the archive department. Uh, so now it's like, I remember the day I brought it there, and 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 you know they were they were looking at it, and they had the gloves mm-hmm. on and folding the pages gently, and and I was like, man, that's you know they're treating it, yeah, like like it's art. It's serious and, art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not just art because it's historical. You. Yeah. You merge two very valuable things together. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. You know, come Thursday, August 4th, there's going to be a whole new journey that begins. And I'm really looking forward to see what's going to come from that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to, to see them in person. Um, let's talk about, we touched upon them briefly, the couple of images mm-hmm. that, I was able to to have a sneak peek at. Yeah. Um, let's start with with your mom. Okay. Here, the image of your mom. Mom Dukes. Yeah. Um, that was taken uh, in June 2020. Um, and at that point, you know, I hadn't hugged my mother or been close to her in months. You know, three March, April, May, June, four months. Yeah. You know, and I'm someone that you know, my mother lives here in South Florida. I go to her house once a week. You know, I eat dinner you there. You guys are you know, close. Very close. You know, my father passed away when I was 15 and my mother became like my best friend. You know, mm-hmm. I'm her youngest child, you know, the youngest of her three boys. And she and I got very close. So my other brothers live in California. So oh, I'm wow. the one that she would see me all the time yeah. and interact with me all the time. So not being able to be close to her was like traumatic for me, you know. For sure. Um, she's a breast cancer survivor. So when they talked about pre-existing conditions and, and immune systems and all this yeah. stuff, that's something that I thought about constantly with her, mm-hmm. you know, um, that photo that I took is me saying, calling her one day and saying, look, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to drive over to you, just stand in your garage and say hi, and then I'll go home. Yeah. And she came out, I got there, she came out with her mask on and I'm like, why do you have your mask on? You're way in the garage. I'm at the <laughs> end of the driveway. Like, well, You can pull your mask down. So then she pulled her mask down and then I took my camera and I took that photo that you Aww. see there. And she had no idea what was going to end up being done with that image. She hated the image, first of all, because she said, oh, Rassan, I don't have on any makeup. My hair is a mess. Don't show anybody that photo. <laughs> Are you and, in trouble? <laughs> no. Nah. I'm sure I, she's so proud. She was angry for a while, but, you know, uh, the family, uh, my aunts, uncles, everybody said that it's the most beautiful photo she's ever been in. So when they told her that, it was like, yeah. she was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's cool. Well, not that my opinion matters, but I the the background story of this now makes so much sense because when you look at her picture, she looks so blissfully happy. Thank you know, you. thank you. It doesn't even you can only tell it's pandemic time because the mask the is mask. around her face, like yeah. her chin. Mm-hmm. But she just looks so happy. Yeah. So now I know why. Yeah, because she got to see her baby boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, they actually the museum they used that image for their calendar. 
uh, calendar uh, of, of, of exhibitions. Yeah. yeah. And they sent it out, I think, to like 35,000 people in their database or something. Right. So she's her face is everywhere. And uh, she, I don't know if she knows her image is in the exhibition. Like she knew it was in, in, <laughs> in, in the last one, but it was like on canvas and it was smaller. This one now is actually like printed and framed and, and it's like in a prominent spot in the whole gallery space. Oh, I love that. So when you come up the stairs, like the way you come up, if you turn a certain way, it boom, it hits you right there. It's pretty um, impactful, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. What, a, what an honor for her um, to be able to see you live out your dream. Yeah. It's like any parent's dream, yeah. right? To see yeah. your child mm -hmm. really making it. Um, what about Child Please, image number mm -hmm. six? Child Please. So in, um, I guess in urban America, that's that's a catchphrase that, mm -hmm. you know, women are like, Child Please, uh, you know. I don't have for this. <laughs> exactly. Like. <laughs> What what I pull from that is that little girl saying, child, please, I don't have time for COVID. Like, I don't have time for this pandemic nonsense. Like, what was happening in that moment is that little girl was running after her family, her mom, her dad, her siblings, uh, who I believe were her siblings, were all ahead of her. This is walking in front of Bayfront Park. And she was running, trying to catch up to them. And she was waving them like, wait for me, wait. And I'm stuck in traffic on Biscayne Boulevard and I see that and my camera was in uh, my passenger seat. So when I see that, I just grab it, take the photo real quick. But then it kind of looks like she's saying, again, I don't have time for this COVID stuff. Yeah. Like, child, please, I, I don't care about that. I just want to be out here with my family enjoying a stroll through Bayside or Bayfront right. Park. Yeah. That picture made me wonder even further because as a parent, we always we're concerned with what are they going through? Mm -hmm. You know, how is this gonna affect them? them? But that picture really like amplified it for me for some reason. Yeah, it's like you think this little girl, seven years old, you know, went from having sleepovers maybe or going to her friend's house or her friends yeah. coming over to, okay, your friends can't come over. Well, how do you explain to a child mm -hmm. why or what this pandemic is? They don't have the level of comprehension to understand that Something's yeah. out here killing us right. and you you know, we're trying to protect you. They just know that they can't have sleepovers or go see their friends anymore. Right. They can't go to school. They have to go to school on Zoom on a computer. Their whole trajectory of their life has shifted yeah. overnight. You know, as adults, I think, you know, we 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 can cope with it differently and better, but as a child, you're so impressionable. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to understand. And, you know, what is a child? Your kids always ask, why? Why, mommy? Why this? Yeah. Why that? And, you know, you can try to explain to them all day, but they might not fully right. get it. Now, when she grows up, 10 years from now, she'll think back to that that year that her life changed. Right. And that's what that image says to me. Like For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For, for us, it was, as I'm sure for many families, was a little tricky to navigate because... Our youngest had just started pre-K, where oh. she had been counting down. The, she wanted to go to school so bad. Yeah. And then, you know, no more school. No more school. She was like, I'm never going to school. <laughs> I'm going to be dumb, literally oh, her wow. words. She was like, I'm going to be dumb. Damn. I'm not going to go to school. So then kindergarten starts, and we're still mm -hmm. on the Zoom mode. Yeah. And it was like... What's going to, you know what I mean? What's yeah. going to happen? What's going to happen? And thankfully, you know, God was like so 
watching over a lot of us and our, our teacher was so amazing and wow. she taught those kids how to read over zoom if you can believe that, that. is incredible it, she's a beast that's incredible uh, incredible incredible yeah. um and i i want to say none of the kids in her class fell behind as far as reading levels mm -hmm. but that's not the case for everybody no no, no. I mean, it's already tough to try to get a kid, some kids to pay attention in school. And now you're trying yeah. to get them to be focused and, and, you know, attentive on the computer and right. not play games or get on their phone. Like they don't have that structure of a classroom, exactly. a desk, you know, a teacher physically in front of them. Yeah. It's yeah, a lot. Connecting to, with other people, looking next to you and seeing your friend doing yeah, their work yeah. and you get, okay, I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Those little interactions that make, that make every, their make world. The yeah. Yeah. That was gone. So yeah. yeah, that picture really, really brought all that back. Thank you. And um, the Towner's image. Mm hmm Number 10, which was, I hope I have it. No, that's not it. This yeah, one. Yeah, the yeah. Towners. I love that picture. Thank you. The Towners is what you call a native of Overtown. Mm -hmm. If you live in Overtown, you're, you're a Towner. Um, and that's just, you know, four people sitting at a bus stop. And it's interesting because, like, they have their masks on. Like, one guy's wearing a mask. One guy has it pulled down, smoking a cigarette. The woman doesn't have it and the other guy's just there like, man, I'm so sick of this shit. Like yeah. you know, <laughs> like they've 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 seen and done it all in life and they're not concerned about coronavirus. They're just there like waiting on the bus. Life is happening. Yeah. At, simultaneously. Yeah. Which yeah. was so so hard. Yeah. You know, because we were asked it felt like we were asked to pause. Mm -hmm. But life doesn't pause. Life doesn't pause. It's like how do you pause an entire planet? Yeah. And and that's why I really, you know, the, the, the whole thing about rent and, and landlords and eviction, it really not only because it happened to me, but it was happening to, you know, many of my friends. Like it really fuck with me because how can you be so insensitive mm -hmm. to the plight of people trying to figure out a way just to survive, just to eat? Yeah. And you complaining about not getting the rent. Like, I think something could have been done. Well, landlords just say, well, the mortgage company doesn't care. So I, I don't care. I need, but is I need that the true, rent. Though? Who because knows? there were a lot of, of um, help. There was a lot of help, you know, for businesses, for, for a lot of things. Yeah. It, it just wasn't across the board. Yeah. You know, so it's like, how do you determine who gets the help and who doesn't? Everybody should have got the help. Every bank should have put a pause or a freeze on mortgages and rent for a year. Right. Like if I was, you know, my white clef said once, if I was president, if I was president, <laughs> like I would have done some shit like that and been like, okay, for the next 365 days till we figure out where society is going to go, nobody has to pay rent, right. bills or everything. There was, um, do you remember the movie Armageddon? Yes, of course. Okay. So when they agreed to go on the, the, the spaceship to do the comet, the drilling on the comet, they had conditions that they needed in order to do it. And Bruce Willis was reading down the list of everybody wanted, you know, their wish list and one stay in the White House, one make two girls American citizens. And then at the end of it, they all said that they don't want to pay taxes again, ever. Like none of them, right? And then they were like, well, I guess, yeah, that that's cool. We can make that happen. Like, it was almost like that type of thing I wish would have happened where they would have said, you know, for the next year, nobody has to pay rent. Nobody has right. to pay a mortgage. 
Let's figure out what's happening in the world. And then we'll see, we'll reassess where we are a year from now. And then, okay, click the pause button again and get back to it. Let right. people build up some income if they have to find a new job or let people get food in their house and let people worry about other things and other ways of survival so that they don't have to stress about not having an income and getting evicted. And if being out on the street, that's adding to the already overpopulated homelessness and creating more of an issue for the city to deal with. So Definitely. I'm gonna, it's agitating. Sorry. Is it just, no, it, 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 you, it, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. It's, a lot of people really their lives got shook up. Yeah. You know, in in more ways than the typical scary part of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Very real ways. Uh which is your favorite image from the The mom, mom Dukes is my favorite. Yeah. 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 Cause I'd get my mother's the strongest person I know. Yeah. So anything that's any sign of strength in me uh, or perseverance or resiliency, I get from her. Right. Uh, that's that's my favorite. What would you say was the biggest challenge during this project? The biggest challenge um, would probably have been, hmm, sometimes I can get in my own head mm. a lot and not trust my instincts sometimes. And the biggest challenge I think was to admit, to tell myself, to reassure myself that listening to this voice in my head, I'm on the right path, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and not being afraid to explore it. Right. Being able to rekindle my passion for photography and see where that takes me. You know, um, there's a quote that I have in the gallery, in the museum. Uh, I have a quote on like different walls things that speak to my approach to life. And one of the quotes I have up is from Jay-Z and uh, it says, uh, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not trying. And that's something that I apply uh, to my life. Yeah. So I think the biggest challenge for me was getting out of my own head and getting out of my own way and saying, I can do this and I'm going to do it. And if anybody knows me, once I say I'm going to do something, that shit gets done, right. you know, some way, shape or form. So that's awesome. Yeah. And that's such a good point because that can be hard to do. You know, once you get too much in there and doubt and mm -hmm. all those things start coming at you, it's... Yeah. 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 But turning them off, it's, I think, the the best option. Mm -hmm. What would you like for people to get out of visiting the exhibit? Mm. Ideally. Um. I want people to walk away from capture feeling something. I don't want to I don't want to dictate what I think they should feel, but I know that I think I've done a, a good enough job that the images are going to impact people in some kind of way. Whether it's good, bad, angry, sad, happy, wh whatever it is, I want you to take something out of it. Um the 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 overall tone of the exhibition is not to remind people of tragedy. Like I want to be clear on that. COVID was a terrible time in our world's history. It's not to remind people of tragedy, but more so to show how resilient we are as a community and as a city and how we can take tragic moments and come out of it and, you know, surmount it and move forward in a positive light. And that's really the important thing for me. Yeah. Is so that people can 
recollect what was going on in 2020 and see where we are now and how do we get here to where it almost feels like in some instances it never happened. Yeah. You know, how did we get here? How are we able to mentally get here, financially get here, physically get here? You know, that's the important thing for me. Like, that's what I want people to take away. Like, damn, like Miami, like we're the shit. We made it. You know, we made it. We went through all this bullshit and we're still here. We're still alive. And we're 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 thriving. Hopefully, some of mm-hmm. us, most of us, and we're gonna continue going forward. That's such a good point because you're right. It does feel like it didn't happen. It feels like it happened in another lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's not the case for for many other places in the world. Right. So the fact that we need to celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. A thousand percent. That's yeah. so true. Because we sometimes we get stuck. In the the bad memories, mm-hmm. we forget to be grateful for yeah. how we overcame. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any advice for other artists? Listen to your voice. Yeah. Listen to your voice. Do what speaks to you. You know, do what matters to you. Don't worry about what other people say or other people's opinions of your art. Mm-hmm. Do what matters to you. You yeah. know, and do it from a place of love. Don't do it from a place of monetary gain. Otherwise, you'll never get anywhere, I don't think. Right. You know? But I think if you do things from a place of love and, and genuine uh, appreciation for it, the money and accolades and praise, like all that's going to come at some point. You know. Yeah. Trust the process. Yeah. Speaking of love, so what do you love about Miami? What do I love about Miami? I love the Cuban food, the Caribbean food. I love the nightlife <laughs> industry that, that I'm a part of. You know, like it's so it's, it's dope to be a DJ here and play clubs. Like I, I did live on Sunday last night, mm-hmm. right? So I was DJing until 5 a.m. Jamie Foxx and uh, Tank was in there. And it was, I can't think of another city in the country where you can go and DJ at 5 a.m. You know, I, I go play all around the country. Places shut down at 2, 3 Miami is a very special place, you know, and it's yeah. such a, a a gumbo, a melting pot of culture and ethnicity and flavor, like actual figurative fa- flavor and literal flavor, yeah. you know, and to be someone who entertains people for a living, like it's the perfect, it's the perfect backdrop for it. Yeah, that's so true. That's one of the things I love too. just mm. everything that just happens here and all at once. Yeah. What are your hopes for Miami? Moving forward. Hmm. I hope that we can figure out the housing crisis. Yeah. I hope that we can get our nightlife industry fully back to where it was. And I just hope that we can continue to grow and band together as a community and get stronger. Yeah. That's it. For sure. What? So we are a literary podcast and I have to ask, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is called Gunshots in My Cookup, Bits and Bites of a Hip-Hop Caribbean Life. Uh, it's my favorite book because my brother wrote it. No way. Yeah. Um, so if you okay. Google Gunshots in My Cookup, you'll see uh, my brother wrote that book. Um, and it's him telling different uh, stories of his life uh, at the time when he wrote it. I think he was 29. Uh, and how being a hip hop journalist, he was editor in chief of the Source magazine uh, in the nineties. Wow! Uh, so he's a hip hop journalist. Yeah, he saw a lot. Yeah. Um, then he was an executive at BET. Now he's doing a filming a show uh, for Hulu um, that he's the showrunner and the writer and the creator for. Nice. Um, yeah. So he uh, his first book 
you know, talks about his Guyanese upbringing were Guyanese, mm-hmm. uh, his tenure as a journalist at the Source magazine and as an editor and how all these different experiences in his life shaped him into who he is uh, um, and the man that he is. So it's pretty, okay. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, definitely. You should check it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll definitely have to put that one on my list and and see it and read it and, and yeah. do a review on it. That sounds incredible. And ch- chapter two is about me. Chapter two. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll make sure to to focus <laughs> on chapter two and see what he has to say. Yeah. It's called um, My Brother the Rap Star, but you'll you'll oh, get a That's so nice. Yeah. Uh any future projects? Uh yeah, there's definitely more projects coming after capture. Um I don't want to give details on about it yet. Right. But I can say if capture is about multiple aspects of quarantine life and pandemic life, uh two years ago in present day the next project is going to focus primarily on my industry and nightlife okay and that's that's what i'll say about that that's going to be exciting yeah because there's um i'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest oh yeah 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 yeah. for sure so that so that's that's later though because capture is going to run till january 2023 yes yeah that's so exciting yeah yeah people have six months to check it out yeah yeah and it's at the History of Miami Museum, mm-hmm. which, I mean, as the name it bears, it really contains our history. Yeah. So it's a place for for everybody, yeah. a family, or mm-hmm. you'll get something out of it. And Sometime. this is very kid-friendly. Absolutely. Exhibit. Yeah. People can so. bring their kids, their, their young ones. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Bring their parents. Yeah. It's, it's for a everyone. family affair. It is. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to congratulate you on this. Thank you and so on much. everything else going on in your personal life. Thank you. Have you. some exciting times. Yeah, yeah. Very well deserved. Thank you so and much. I can't wait to see people's reaction to this. Me because too. Because it's, it's... Me too. Yeah. You, you accomplished a good one, man. <laughs> Thank you. Like I appreciate so it. so awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think the power of, of a, a camera... And and a, a picture, mm-hmm. how much that can evoke, yeah, an emotion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having and me. And thank you to everybody listening and watching, or both. And yeah. as we always say, time is the top currency. So the fact that you chose to spend them with us means so much. Thank you. Make sure you go check out the exhibit, and get in touch with Rasan, mm-hmm. and let us know what you think. And yeah. follow my Instagram at. A fly guy, you'll get a lot of info. Everything yeah. I'm involved in and got going on. For sure. And we'll have all the links down below for Great. the museum, for your Instagram, and for everything else. For your brother's book. Yep. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.